While you're standing, would like to direct your attention to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And while you're turning, there are many announcements that are in the bulletin. One of them concerns next Saturday. There will be a prayer training and personal preparation meeting. If you're interested in in your prayer life, it would be a great morning to be here. If you did not go out uh, last Sunday and take one of the stones and write your family name and your children's name on it, we would ask you to do that. Uh, We're doing that for the purpose of giving focused prayer when we come together. Somebody's going to come by and reach in and pull up your, your stone, and they're going to pray for your family. So please be mindful of that. There's a men's lake house trip coming. Look at the announcements and put uh, those things in your calendar to be a part of them. Second Kings chapter 5, and I'm just going to read for the sake of time verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host, the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning from the subject of facing our worst enemy. Facing our worst enemy. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God. My time is limited today, and so I will go quickly into the word of the Lord, but I come this morning with a very simple message to you, but one that has stirred my heart continually over the last few weeks. The longer that I have meditated on this passage and the longer I have considered the word of the Lord, the more I have been stirred in my own spirit. I am convinced today that it is a message that if you can grasp the truth of it, when you receive that truth of this word today into your life, it will affect a change in your life. It will not only affect a change in your life, but it will produce a releasing of blessings upon you that you cannot even imagine. Not only that, but I am convinced today that the truth of the Word of God can even help you recover from all sorts of woes that can afflict the soul. I remind you this morning that life is a battlefield. Life is a battleground, and you are not going to live without having a few battles of some kind in your life. What I have learned this much about life is that oftentimes those battles come to spoil my hopes and frustrate my future, and they 
come from the most unexpected places. And none of them, none of the battles that I face in life are so subtle and so destructive and so effective as the enemy that I am going to bring out of our text this morning. I believe that in all of Scripture there is no story that is of deeper interest to us than the story of Naaman. Among the varied characters of the Old Testament, there is hardly anyone that is more fascinating to me or more attractive than this Syrian hero. He is a man who belongs in a class of his own. He is a certain class of individual that never fails to arrest our attention and evoke our admiration. Without a doubt, I am convinced that Naaman was certainly a brave man. He was courageous. He was According to the scripture, he was a great man. He was a successful leader. He was wise in the way that he handled himself. And as a result of that, he had been crowned with exceptional honor. He had been made a commander. And he had been given great authority in his life for his exploit because of the thing that he had faced and overcome, not only in enemies on the outside, but even enemies that would strike within him, in his own being. Naaman was a man who rose above others, and you see him surfacing at, uh, at key moments in life, and he shows himself to be the man but he was. And you do not get to where Naaman was without having had a few battles and scrapes in your life. Naaman had faced a lot of enemies. I, I, I don't even know the extent of all the battles that Naaman had been involved in. And he had evidently been victorious in them and he had triumphed. The scripture says that God blessed him and gave deliverance to Syria because of his leadership. What a statement that God would make about a man like this, Naaman. Many had come against him, but he had triumphed over all of them. Many things had came in to stop uh, his purpose and his progress But none of them seemed to be able to deter him. He had vanquished enemies on the right and on the left. And even when an enemy rose from within him in his own body, and somehow he contacted leprosy, he was able to overcome that. Because according to my understanding of scriptural time. Anybody that had leprosy became an outcast. They were labeled and marked and they were put out of society. They were not allowed to mix with the family or the community. And yet it seemed that in spite of his leprosy, 
Naaman still held his position and he still led his men in battle. So that tells me that Naaman was an extraordinary man. He had not only defeated outward foes, but he had defeated the inner struggles that often come into a person's life through sickness and affliction, limitations and disabilities that strike them. And through it all, he was able to rise above and be the leader that, that he was. He had faced and overcome so many different things, so many adversaries in his life, and they had all been put down, even his own leprosy. But whatever you say about him, however many accolades that I could pass on to him, there is that one word that continues to cry out to me in our, our text, and you know what it is, It is that word, but. He was a great leader, but. He was an overcomer, but. He had had done great things, but. He had been a great man, but. Everywhere you turn, no matter his accomplishments in life, there was that adversary that lurked in the shadows, and And there was that one word that spoiled the entire narrative of his life. And it brought a sourness to the celebration. When he should have been rejoicing in victory, he was being reminded of his own limitations. He was a leper. And that word speaks of a powerful truth about life. That there is no honor and there is no position And there is no glory or there is no place of power that can put any of us beyond the reach of trouble. All of us are within trouble's reach right now. He stood next to the king, but he was a leper. He had everything going for him, but he was a leper. He had influence, but he was a leper. He was a great man And yet he has this mark on his life of being a leper. There is no position that is so vast or no place that is so high that can not be reached by some troubles. And it was a revealing sorrow. It somehow made its way into the conversation. Even when they talked about his greatness, There always came in the back door that lingering word, but he is a leper. And so his life was marked, it seemed. Doomed to live with this question mark at the end of his resume. He was a great man, but he was a leper. Here was a man who had accomplished so many things in life. And yet he was still limited by this handicap. And one day a captured maiden brings to him the best news that he could have ever heard. And it was that there was a man of God that I know that if you will go to him, he will help you. He will cure you of your... He will recover you, is what the scripture says, from your disease. 
you can recover from this and you can get past this. And I, 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 am, cer- I am certain that when the news first came to him, there perhaps was maybe some skepticism. But when you're a great man but a leper, you're willing to listen to anybody that has a word for you. And so he received it. And so preparation was made. Please don't check out on me yet because I haven't even gotten to my message yet. But somehow he, he, he gets things together. He gets a letter from the king that gives him a presentation and gives him a, a, a certain amount of influence and power and authority. And then he's got this loot that he carries with him. He's got according to some estimations, upward to $50,000 that he is bringing with him to somehow influence the outcome of this, this particular situation. And so he comes with great pomp and great ceremony. And I know that there must have been a great deal of hope. And now the picture is of a leper. Here this great man stands Uh, before the door of the prophet's house with these high expectations. Something good is going to happen to me today. Something life-changing is going to transpire here in just a moment. And I can only imagine what must have gone on in his mind as he is trying to figure out how it's all going to work out. How is all of this going to happen And he stands there with these great, large expectations, waiting for the instructions of what to do, waiting for somehow a, a prophet to come out and with some grand motion and waving of his arms and some kind of, uh, of great pomp and ceremony himself, pronounce a cure and Naaman would be ridded of this word that has haunted his life. That's not what happened. All that came was a simple word. Go wash in the river Jordan seven times and your flesh will be healed and you'll be clean. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've been tagged and labeled as a leper and somebody gave me a hope, I think I would have been excited about it. I think, I I mean, despite what I might have thought was going to happen, the fact that somebody had pronounced a verdict, somebody had given an answer, if you will go wash in the River Jordan seven times, you will be made whole. I could only imagine that, that the news should have thrilled him after all of these years, after all of this frustration after all of these buts in life. Yeah, but this, you're, you're, you're a great man, but yeah, you, you're an overcomer, but you've got this limitation or you've got this stigma on your life or you've got this problem that you've never been able to put down. And living with the problem that long, I can only imagine the fallout that must have been a part of that. And now here he is standing at the door of the prophet and the simple instructions come. The simple word of God is given. Go wash in the Jordan 
river seven times and you're going to be healed. And you already know the story. So I don't have a punchline. Instead of him being thrilled, he got mad. He was angry. He wasn't just ticked. He was he was boiling over. The Bible says he went away in a rage. Now, I don't know how many of you know anything about rages, but that's not just your typical boil over that you have at, at coffee in the morning when your toast is burnt or somebody fries your eggs wrong. He was, he, he, he was, steam were coming out in ears, nose. He had this red face. I can only imagine what he must have looked like. And instead of him being thrilled at an answer, he was angry at what he had heard. And he turned and he went away in a rage. And in that moment, there surfaced in his life the worst enemy that he had ever faced in all of his living. Worse than any of the different tribes and nations of people that he had had to fight in his life. Greater than any massed force of men that he had ever encountered in a battle. There was an enemy that rose up before him that day that sought to destroy him and snatch away from him his last hope. And that was what the Word of God had given to him. Here was that enemy. And that enemy was himself. It was his own pride. His own pride. It was something in him that made him think that he was better than this. That he should have had more of something. There had... There had to be more to it than this, this this simple statement of go wash and be clean. I thought he would have come out and he would have waved his hands over me and gone into some kind of incantation like all of the other false prophets he had ever known in his life. And they had done some kind of wizardry and magic. He was looking for some kind of hocus pocus. And all that the man of God had to say was go wash and be clean. And this enemy surfaced in his life that almost destroyed him and almost took away his miracle. This is by far the first, or or not the first, but it was the worst enemy that he had ever faced in his life because it's such a subtle enemy that you don't realize it is your enemy. Did you hear what I just said? Pride is such a subtle enemy that you don't realize that it is your enemy. It's not your friend. I don't care how it makes you feel. I don't care how it strokes your ego. I don't care how it justifies your feelings. I don't care how it makes you feel like you're superior to anybody else. 
Pride is not your friend. Pride is your worst enemy. It is the one thing above all others that can stop you from the miraculous that God would want to do in your life. It is the one thing above leprosy or disability or adversity. You can overcome a sickness. You can overcome a physical handicap. You can overcome some human limitation. But when pride is down in the heart and it disguises itself as some other thing, it's hard to understand that that is not your friend that's speaking to you. That is your enemy that's telling you that you're better than this, that you don't deserve this kind of treatment, that somebody ought to be doing better for you than you're being done. Pride, it was there. You see, pride will do more to harm you than any disability you'll ever have. Pride will do more to harm you than any issue that you're battling right now. Whether the the issue is drug addiction or alcohol addiction, or pornography, or uncleanness of life, or whatever else, the name of things you want to put on it, or, or whatever else, gossip, or, 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 or being a, a slanderous person. It doesn't matter what the issue is. There is no issue in your life that can do you more harm than pride can. And there is nothing that will stop you and nothing that will prevent you and nothing that will limit your life than allowing that spirit to rise up in your life and stand in your face and tell you things that are contrary to what God's Word tells you that will tell you things contrary to what this book has said is what I ought to do. You see, pride is an enemy that will keep you from recovering. Pride is an enemy that will keep you from getting over things and getting past things and letting things go and, and forgiving. Pride. Let me stop a little while. I'm, I'm going to plow right on through. I've got sunk pretty deep right now. And I feel the resistance, but I've come to tell you that the greatest enemy that this church faces and the greatest enemy that you face as an individual is not the person sitting next to you, across the pew from you, or on this platform. The greatest enemy that we fight on a daily basis is our own stinking human pride that makes us think that we are an exception to the law or we are an exception to the rule or we are an exception to the word that God has for everybody else. Pride. It came up out of nowhere. And it'll do more to limit you than anything else I know of. He almost let pride steal his miracle. I wonder what pride's stealing from us this morning. Oh, my Lord. You see, it's hard to unmask pride. Pride is such a clever Clever thing. It shows up in so many different garbs that it's hard to say, oh, that's pride. Pride masquerades behind so many different masks that it's hard for you to put your finger on it and say, oh, that's it. That's, that's what my problem is. You see, it shows up as righteousness, but self-made righteousness. It's that stuff we call comparing ourselves one with another. Well, you know, I might be bad, but I'm not as bad as. 
or this one. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. I've got some news for people that say that. Everybody doesn't have skeletons in their closet. Do you hear me? Everybody doesn't have skeletons in their closet. But that's what pride comes along with. Pride has that way of making you feel, oh, I've got, I'm justified feeling the way I am. Or it's a, just a pitiful excuse for doing what we know we shouldn't be doing. But we hide behind that spirit and make ourselves think that we're justified in being that way. It's righteousness, but it is a self-made righteousness. We pick ourselves up by our own bootstrap. We make our way in the world. God didn't help me do anything. I remember somebody said something to one of the comedians. What's her name? Uh, she's a very popular comedian. She, she's actually Jewish, as a matter of fact. Griffin. What's her name? First name's, her last name's Griffin. Kathy Griffin. Somebody said to her, why don't you give glory to God for your gift? She said, because God didn't give me my gift. That is self-righteousness. That's saying, I didn't see God out here. It's like that old guy that went and bought that piece of property that was all run down, had rocks everywhere and weeds, and, and he gets in there and he starts pulling out the rocks and he starts pulling the weeds and, and finally he gets it to where it's clear he can plant a crop. He plants a crop. He, he sows the seed and, and he waters and, and, and not long there's a harvest that comes up. And one day the old preacher comes by and said, My my, how you have transformed this, this piece of property. It was just a, an eyesore, and you've made it such a beautiful spot. You and God have done some wonderful things with this property. And he said, huh, you should have seen it when God had it by himself. Pride masquerades as some strange things sometimes. And just when you think you don't have it, guess what? You do. Amen. Pride masquerades as knowledge. Pride masquerades as power. Pride masquerades behind wealth. And because it is such, it is such a chameleon, it knows how to change colors whenever it's needed to stay in its place it hides behind many masks, but its deadly work is still the same. It will stop you from your miracle. It will stop you from recovery. Did you hear me? It will stop you from getting over things. It will stop you from getting past things. It will stop you from being healed. Mm. Praise God. You know what, I'm going to go next door and preach at this other church at 2 o'clock and see if, they do, if I can do any better. I'm going to tell you this. You can overcome a handicap. You can overcome a sickness. You can overcome a limitation. You can overcome an, a disability in life a whole lot easier than you'll ever overcome your own pride. Pride hurts us in so many areas. And I'm going to give you th three or four things and I'm going to shut up. But here's what pride will do to you. Pride, listen to me, pride prefers 
drama over deliverance. Pride said, I thought he would come out and wave his hands over me. You know what I've discovered? There's a lot of people that are addicted to drama. And they would rather have their drama than their deliverance. They'd rather have their soap opera than to have somebody tell them how to be clean and wash and have a mind that's pure and right. They would rather lie in the filth of their mess and call that life than find a road out and a road up and a road to recovery. I've come to preach to somebody here this morning that if you're not careful, you'll love your drama more than you'll love the deliverance that God offers you. And if you do, you will never be delivered from what holds you back. Praise God, praise God, praise God. None more destructive than drama. It'll destroy relationships because I would rather stay rooted in my problem than enjoying my healing. I love the drama. I love people feeling sorry for me. I love being the victim. I'm going to just mess around here. You came to church. I don't know what you came for today, but I'm going to mess around. We like Facebook because that's a medium whereby we can put out to the world all the stuff that we ought to keep to ourselves. And we don't have enough sense. I mean, my Lord, my dad told me, you, sometimes you just have to have horse sense in life. Now, I didn't ever figure out what horse sense was for a while, but I know what it is now. It means just good old common sense. There's some things better left unsaid. If you don't say it, you don't have to ask forgiveness of it. If you don't say it, you don't have to go back and make it right later on. Oh, but we would love our problem. We love our problem more than we want our healing. And you know what's at the root of it? It's a spirit of pride that keeps me rooted in my drama when God has deliverance right there for me. All you've got to do is just go wash and be healed. I mean, my Lord, God didn't ask you to solve the, the, the hard questions of science. He didn't ask you to take calculus or trig to figure out how to do this. He just said, forgive, and it shall be forgiven. He said, love me and love your fellow man. And if you do those two things, you've done the two greatest commandments in all the world. I see some of you, you've got that pose like, my song is, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Number two, pride holds you in a false sense of measurement and justice in your life. 
He said, are not Abana and Farpar rivers in my home and in my country? Are they not better rivers than the river Jordan? You see, if we're not careful, we let pride cause us to develop this false sense of measurement in life. It's kind of like the little boy that come running into his mother one day and said, Mommy, 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 I'm nine feet tall. His mother looked at him and said, Son, you are not nine feet tall. I wish you would quit saying that. She, he said, But, oh, Mommy, I am nine. She said, You are not nine feet tall. Quit lying and telling stories like that. He said, Mama, he said, I took my shoe off and I measured myself, and I am nine feet tall. His foot might have been a foot, but it wasn't a foot, if you know what I'm saying. And you know what? We've got those same kind of measurements. When it comes to you, I'm going to measure you by one measure. You better not cross a line. You better talk to me every time I come to church. You better smile, and you better make like you love me more than anybody else. But when I have a bad day and I want to snub you, that's your problem, not mine. That's the kind of measurement that I'm talking about. When we come to church and we've got these unequal weights and we judge one group of people by one thing and another group of people by another, that's what calls pride. That's where pride finds its bedding place. That's where pride limits me when I let myself be snookered into believing that I can measure you by one thing, but when I come to myself, I can let myself have a few more liberties. Pride. Pride, it's what gets down to the root of what stops us from getting what we need from God. It's what prevents the miracle. Pride would rather hold... This is number three, okay, if you're counting, so you know I'm almost through. Some of you are looking at your clock, too. Don't do this. Uh, it's still working. I know it is because mine's up here ticking right away. I, I tell you, this is number three. Pride would rather you hold on to your reputation than to have a recovery. Oh, my God. I don't know what I'm preaching this like. But pride would rather you hold on to your reputation than you have a healing in your home or a healing in your mind or a healing in your family or a healing in relationships with people in your life. Pride would rather you hold on to your reputation. Well, you know what? If I go to them, then I'm going to be admitting that I've got a problem, and I don't have a problem. They have the problem. Smile a while and give your face a rest. He was the absolute worst enemy of any soul. And it, listen to me. It was the only thing that almost kept him from being healed. His own leprosy had not stopped him. His enemies had not stopped him. But who he was. I mean, I have, I have a certain reputation. I'm a, 
I'm a Christian. If I go to the altar, what are people? If I seek for something from God, people are going to think, you know what? It really doesn't matter what people think about you. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't matter because tomorrow they're going to change their opinion about you. And you're thinking today, oh, they love me and they're just slobbering all over you. And tomorrow they'll be talking about you on Facebook. So why are we worried about people's feelings or thoughts, what they're going to think about me? You know what? They're going to think about you what they're going to think about you. But I would rather be concerned about what God's thinking about me. I'm just I'm trying to look at this from God's perspective. God's saying, here's your answer. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's not hard. All you've got to do is just go wash and you'll be healed. And here you are. You've got a reputation to uphold. You've got some kind of pride issue you can't get beyond. And healing lingers. And recovery lingers. And the miracle lingers. And I go on in my misery. And I go on in my pain. When I could be free this morning, if I just let go of my pride and say, yes, Lord, whatever you tell me, whatever you want me to do, that's whatever you say, God. If it's forgive, I'm going to forgive. If it's let go, I'm going to let go. If it's turn, I'm going to turn. If it's rise, I'm going to rise. Come on, let's stand to our feet and praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. My, my, my. Mm. My Lord, have mercy. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Folks, I got news for you this morning. It's not our problem that's our real problem. It's not that I even have a problem that's my problem. My problem is my pride. When I'm hurting and God provides me an answer and I stay away from the answer because of my reputation or because I love drama or because of so many other things that we could talk about. When God has healing, when God has recovery, I, there's some, some of us here this morning that have been struggling with some issues in our life for a long time, and we have never been able to get past them. They keep coming back to haunt us. They keep coming back and cry out to us, you're a great man, but you're a great woman, but... And you have this issue that you, you, you've never, you can't get past it. You, you, you smile, you come, and you worship, but it keeps pulling you back. And the only thing that's holding you to that problem, and I'm going to make somebody mad, but the only thing that's holding you to your pain right now is your pride. That's the only thing that's holding you to your pain, your suffering. Some of you are hateful toward God this morning because God supposedly did something a long time ago. Yeah. I'm not here to belittle that. I'm just here to tell you that the truth is you don't know the whole story. Neither do I know the whole story. 
what I think is really the answer is not the answer at all. And I don't have to know all the answers as long as I know that he knows the answer. I can trust him with that. If I can't trust him with that, then I can't trust him with anything. So he was, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'll tell you how to do it. Just get up and go pray. Just get up and go make a phone call. Get up and go write a letter. Get up and say enough is enough. Today is going to mark the beginning of a new phase in my life. He wades down in that muddy river. They tell me Jordan was one of the muddiest rivers around there most of the time. It was always out of its banks or are always having issues. And here he wades off out in there. How foolish it must have seemed for a moment. How foolish it must have seemed when a preacher said, why don't you come to an altar and lift your hands and call out to God? What's that going to do? It'll make come and try it and see. Just obey him and see what happens when you obey him. Just do what he tells you to do and see what the answer is. God help us right now. Would you reach out to God in this place? Holy Ghost, right now. Move in this sanctuary. There are people in this building right now that are hurting. People in this place today that are bound. They are bound by issues in their life that have tormented and troubled them. God, I pray today that today would be a day of deliverance. Oh, right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. God, I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to step out and obey. 